Faria Pawn is back and open for business. After a full building renovation, Faria Pawn is open again at 107 Clay Drive in the all-new Dad's Flooring Building. No more furniture and pallets, but a great selection of guns and ammo, knives, jewelry, coins, plus pre-programmed digital TV boxes with literally every channel. Cheap! So check out Berea Pawn, their new old location at 107 Clay Drive. Back, welcome back, welcome back. We are Trisden and Ray. Having lived and spent time on the coasts and in rural Appalachia, we feel like we have a unique perspective on most topics. Working to find the common sense middle in a country becoming more and more polarized. Welcome to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. What's up, Ray? I'm going to try and stay on the mic this week, Drizzen. Sometimes I hear myself fade. But I know, now you know in 120 shows, I've never suggested a show title. I think this week's show title should be Indictable. Indictable. Do you have that reference? Uh, no. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, when she was reading the charges against Mayorkas, the um, Homeland Secretary who they tried and failed to impeach yesterday, yeah. she said uh, for indictable crimes. Indictable right. is what she made. <laughs> so Jamie Raskin, who's the congressman <laughs> sharp as a tack from Maryland, uh, said that. Indictable, or in the case of the woman from Georgia, in, <laughs> indictable. Wow. Indictable is the fucking word she said. Wow. Indictable. These are not people to be proud of. Sorry. Sorry. You know, like That's there's ugly. great conservatives and great Republicans. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, you can't be on the floor of the House and use the word indictable instead of indictable. That's pretty rough. And, and I always consider myself right there at the cusp of being a dumb guy. I'm right. I'm we're not pseudo, we're I'm pseudo not, intellectuals right. at best, yes. I, but I'm certainly not going to be saying uh, indictable. indictable on the house, which floor. is just so f- indictable. Well, and it was funny you said it, and I was like, "That's a word that I'm not familiar with." <laughs> As I wrote it down, I wrote, "Somebody has messed that up." It's indictable. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor oh, Greene, God, for crimes that are indictable. And I will say this. For me, as a grown-up, and you know, I have some misspellings on Facebook and different things, but to me, nothing makes somebody seem less intelligent than the mispronunciation of words. Like, it really gets, you're like, did they just mispronounce that? Yeah. Uh, And it's a serious moment, like you're bringing them up for things that are indicted, you know. And it's such a bullshit, you know, I'm no whatever, Mayorkas. I I think it's a political hit job. I don't think he's done anything, you know, nefarious. The border needs help, which, by the way, they punted yesterday on a bill that would have given. Now, I say this, Tristan, so if you don't know what we're talking about, sometimes we make assumptions. There was a bill put forth that was hammered out by James Lankford, a quite Republican, uh, a quite conservative Republican from Oklahoma, Chris Murphy, a fairly progressive or quite progressive liberal from Connecticut. They came up with this bill that basically had pretty much everything that Republicans wanted, and they're going to punt on it. McConnell, to his credit, was pissed. Yeah, McConnell wanted the bill. When he pulled his support, he was like, well, you know what, screw him, because Trump doesn't want to give Biden a victory in an election year. And this nonsense of it's the last year of an election, no victories or, you know, no Supreme Court justices. Look, we elect these idiots right or wrong. We elect them for four years. So, yes, when things need to get done, it's not a fucking lame duck. Take the year off year. Right. You still want your politicians. We voted for you for four years and that's on both sides, whether I like it or not. Right. Look, you need to be trying to get stuff done. And I think we could probably agree with every Republican we've ever had on the show. Something needs to get done at the border. Yeah, so right. trying to punt this it's, just to it's give a terrible it. crisis. It's a terrible crisis. It's a terrible crisis. But we'll wait to 2025, 2025 to fix it. That to me. And again, you have to be in the bubble to not see how shitty that is, because that is something that Republicans and Democrats have come together to agree on for the betterment of the American people. Yet as a political victory for Trump, a group of Republicans want to pass that. on. But here's what I say, Tristan, if Democrats can't exploit that to get themselves elected, then they don't deserve to win because that's fair too. you, You literally have the gang that can't shoot straight. So they couldn't get that bill passed. They, effed up on homeland security that's just one thing out uh, you know trying to uh, <laughs> trying to uh, impeach mayorkas which they say there were a few congressmen that were out for health reasons are going to bring it back next week bring it up again all right whatever and then of course trump uh, that 
a verdict comes down yesterday from the court in D.C., and it's two, Repu- it's two, it's two Democrats and a Republican judge, um, and they put forth a very serious, well-thought-out uh, verdict that's, or, you know, opinion that 57 says— 57 pages, right? 57 pages that they say is so airtight that the Supreme Court— May not even take it up, although everything is political now. So John Roberts, the chief justice, has a huge decision. Um, But basically, no, a president is not immune from prosecution. When when you're someone who's sworn an oath to hold up the laws, you've got to answer to those laws. I agree. It's pretty simple. Right. This is not Saddam Hussein's dictatorship. You are still accountable in the USA. Right. No matter how much you love Donald Trump or we like Joe Biden. And I would hope that Tony and Aaron and all of our other Republicans friends would agree with that, as I know you and I would if the table was turned. I'm sure. not defending Joe Biden. You say that all the time. If it's provable that he's committed a crime, which is what the trial is, and if they bring Trump to trial and he gets off, then I live with that, too. Right. But how can you say before the trial even comes up that I, I am immune from this? I have to be able to commit crimes in order to be the president. No, it <laughs> doesn't work like that. Right. And, and, it, and, and not to interrupt you, but I would hope Tony and Aaron would agree with that. I would hope my MAGA sister in New Jersey would agree with that well they would certainly agree if it was biden right like they definitely would not want biden to have that type of unimpeachable power sure but i will say this and you know if there's even a shred of truth in what trump's saying and to try and be fair and give him the benefit of the doubt i'm sure there are some things that go on in military operations that we have to do that probably isn't fit for public consumption probably classified that we probably don't need to know about that people are getting murdered right like there are some things but people are if they're not getting murdered they're certainly you know put in vulnerable places sure so and again i'm not saying that we should be people should be doing things unconstitutionally or or anything like that and people should get a pass but to give you know a five percent Uh, I guess I see the point a little bit, but I think even what Trump was saying was I should have the ability essentially if I wanted as president to kill my political opponent without, I mean, so there has to be a line. I don't know if that's what Trump said, but that's the logical extension. Okay. He said it. That is the logical extension of what he's saying. Right. There's no doubt that in foreign affairs, there's some shit that happens. And there's probably some gray area in the laws just for that reason. I'm sure Congress has said, look, there's some room in there for that. But now if he's, uh, giving his top political rival poison or some of the Putin-esque things, we can all agree like that. There's a line well before that. Yeah, but if you're trying to overturn an election that you lost by putting fake electors in place, you need to be held accountable. <laughs> right. And again, that is the allegation. It hasn't been proven. This is why we're going to have a court uh, a case. But as you and Perhaps. I sit here talking, it happened. We it saw it. We all saw it happen. It seemed to happen. Right. So... Yeah, that's an ugly situation. By the way, speaking of my MAGA sister, so I got in some trouble. So remember, Scott was on with us. Yeah. All right, so his mom is my oldest sister, <laughs> and apparently now she's listening oh, and, wow. and was upset that I don't mention enough about her. So hello, Thank Kathy. You. Kathy, you're, you're a wonderful person. I, Your politics are progressive. I don't know how much more I can say. But then apparently my MAGA sister, who doesn't really listen because she's not very tech savvy and i've sent her the spotify and i think she just if it was a trump show she would well, figure i was gonna it say out. i think she just doesn't yeah. want to listen yeah, if it was but a- she's upset at me that i quoted some of her uh what she sent in text because you know that was a private conversation oh, she felt like that was private uh, well, interesting that's to me if we're talking about some intimate detail of her health i'm probably not going to say that but sure politics. and and see here's the problem for me tristan i firmly believe this about uh, probably only 99 out of 100 people uh, or 99 out of 100 people wouldn't see it this way. But the way I think you should vote is you. Th- I think you should walk into the polling place and at the top of your lungs yell out who your choice is because you should be proud of it and you should be able to defend it. I'm going to sound like a pretentious elitist here, but most people probably can't defend their vote. They're not sure why they vote for Trump or for Biden. It's emotional. I can tell you why I would vote for somebody and why I didn't vote for the other person Fair. in pretty good detail, as I'm sure you could. Sure. That's the way I think you should vote. So based on that, to me, political conversations are not private. They're public. As a person who sells marketing to Republicans who happens to lean a little bit left, I don't like the idea in Madison (laughs) County of of screaming my vote. (laughs) But to your point, you should be able to defend your vote. You should. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Right. With uh, some modicum of, you know, gravitas. Right. Well... But I think the court got that right. I, you know, I, I, think I think the court there, got that right. There has to be a line. Look, if, if we're not in a dictatorship, there is a line of power where you you don't have infinite. You're not God. You can't. You're not Absolutely. a ruler. You're not a king. This, this is not England. Right. And, you know, with a king. Right. So 
yeah, that good call. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that does go to Supreme Court. Uh, so it's funny. I brought a couple jokes for later. I'm pretty excited because I'm going to try to tell a joke without reading it. It's I just screenshotted it. I saw it. I'm gonna, so I'm going to ruin a joke later. <laughs> But uh, but it was to. funny. We ended the show last week having a private conversation, and I'd mentioned to you there's no jokes anymore, right? Like, yeah. do people ever just Fuck. tell jokes? Well, no, you saw where Shane Gillis, I'm sure you know Shane Gillis. Uh, right he's, here on the list. He's going to host SNL. Yeah. And all of a sudden, now there's, not all of a sudden, now the backlash is rebubbling up. The same backlash that kept SNL from hiring him. And you can probably explain better who Shane Gillis is. Stand-up comedian, yeah, it was, who, was, uh, who had, was offered was, a job on was SNL. hired on SNL, accepted the job. They dug up some old tweets, some old stuff he'd said on a podcast. You know, he's a comedian trying to be funny, whether you subscribe to that he's or funny. not. Very funny. Yeah. And uh, they, I think, some of the folks on staff said, "No, we don't want this fucking guy who's used these racial Asian slurs." And so, after he was hired, he was then told he was not welcome. And right. now, this week, will be the host of Saturday Night Live, which you got to give. All parties credit, like Lauren Michaels as well as Shane Gillis, right? Because he's coming back now. Obviously, I would think he'll, he'll reference that at some point. Sure, you would think. But um, yeah, so he's going to host this week. But my point was, so now they're digging the shit up again. Right. Uh, Lucas showed me an article today. Oh, we probably shouldn't have him on. Well, fuck, man. So nothing, you know. Well, it goes back. It's funny. Uh, Norm MacDonald, well, one of my favorite comedians, was fired from SNL for making O.J. Simpson jokes he famously. Did, yes, that's right. He came back on to host the show a year later okay. to promote, I think, the movie Dirty Work. And uh, his whole monologue was, so I was not funny enough anymore to be on the staff, but I'm funny enough to literally come back and lead the entire show. So it, it was a very funny monologue. If you get a chance, go back and, and YouTube Norm McDonald's opening monologue when he hosted. Norm was one of those guys that other comedians loved, right? Yeah, other he, comedians looked at Norm and were like, fuck, I wish I could do what he did. Very funny to me. Um, but yeah, I think you do. I think, and as a culture, right, we're kind of trying to find the line of, where is forgiveness and where do we say, okay, somebody was trying to be funny and fucked up. It didn't land or we caught him on a hot mic. And like, at what point do you just say, you said something on a podcast 15 years ago, you're going to own that forever. Even if you've come out and said, I apologize. It was in poor taste, whatever. Well, that's one thing, Tristan. Another thing is you're being polite and, and saying, you know, we should work towards a better thing. What about just the fact that, much of comedy is offensive. And you know what? Put on your big boy pants and <laughs> some people are going to be offended. Now, is that is that an elitist white guy saying that in America? Yeah, maybe it is. It's but, probably easier as a but, white, you know, 60-year-old guy more sure so than, you know, somebody with Down Without syndrome who's black or if that's even possible. But, yeah, I mean, to that end, but yeah. For a black person to have Down syndrome? Can black people have Down syndrome? Yes, Tristan, they can. I've never seen a black person with Down syndrome. I'm sure I have. I don't think so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't think that chromosome shows up in African Americans. No, does it not? I don't think I so. I went to the Stewart School for years, which is in Frankfurt with 300 special needs people. I disjockeyed jockey there. Um, that was a pretty high-end place. I can't recall necessarily, but yeah, I think I've seen black folks with Down syndrome. Okay. Uh, Troy, can you... <laughs> Troy, we're gonna need the uh, <laughs> black folks with over? Down syndrome portion it's not of even the. Ray who said it. No, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, I don't think it's anti-special needs to say I don't think that chromosome shows up in African American folks. Are you right? Well, like, doesn't sickle cell only show up in black folks? Yeah, it I, does. That's I'm, fair. I, I don't know. That's fair. No, no, that's fair. <laughs> fucking racist ass diseases. <laughs> I don't want to be in a black person. Or <laughs> I'll tell you something about that. But go on with your with your. Th- I'll tell you about uh, my day today, which is pretty fucking interesting. Nice. I've got a good story for you. I'll monologue a little later. But no. So we had talked a little bit about the fact that people really. When I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, in grade school, middle-ish school, high school, people would come up to you and tell you a joke. And that was kind of a cool time to be alive. All the time. And right. I do, I never hear that anymore. You mentioned that a couple never. weeks back. Well, right. now, is it part of that because everything's on social media? Like, I work with a guy uh, who's constantly showing memes of this, that, and the other. A lot of memes, are, yes. A lot but of does, them are very off-color. Anybody- but isn't that modern-day jokes? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's sort of, I guess, what it has evolved to. But yeah. it is sad yeah. that nobody comes yeah, in. It is, you know, an Irishman, a priest, and whatever, You've walk heard into a me room. Say, my dad didn't teach me a whole lot. He was like the least handyman who ever lived. Um, whatever other things, but never showed me how to build anything. But was probably the best joke teller I was ever in company of. Seriously. That's awesome. Like the best non-professional joke teller. 
And that and and when he would get together with some of his buddies, specifically Mr. Quigley, the two Irishmen, you would just the tears would be rolling down your face, <laughs> Tristan, from how many excuse me <coughs> jokes these men knew and could tell with such great a plume. Is that the word? And nice. in some ways, that has gone away. Yeah, like a night of joke telling was a night, but it doesn't happen anymore. No, you just never see it, and I miss that. And my mom and I bonded a lot over comedy. Mom you know, uh, Irish and loved a good joke and would come home and tell me dirty jokes at 10 years old. And I really developed my sense of humor. So, you know, a lot of comedians, I'm going to bounce this guy off you because I stumbled upon him and had, didn't know who he was and had to Google him. You may have heard of him. If you haven't, I will tell you to watch him. He's a, do you have HBO max? Do I you do, have max. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Gary Gelman. Okay. So Google him, okay. his, his, uh, his newest, uh, standup is called born on third base. <laughs> And just to give you a little snippet into it, he's quite Jewish, which he works into it very much. But he talks about how uh, he, he's talking about, um, uh, you know, the divide, the economic, the inequality, right, in, in money. And he's like, as an example, do you remember the guy that played Jerry on Seinfeld? <laughs> he goes, ostensibly, he and I are in the same business. And this is not a young man. Yeah. This dude, I've Googled him. He's born 1970. Wow. So he's into his 50s. And then he does a whole riff on Seinfeld's worth and his worth. Yeah. Check him out. Gary Gelman. I will definitely G-E-L, do that. I believe that's right. But it's called Born on Third Base. Now, it's kind of cerebral. Like, I watched it, and then I rewatched it with Brielle because I knew she'd enjoy it. And she, she laughed hard. And when he was doing the Seinfeld stuff, she said, I think this guy's funnier than Seinfeld. But check him out. He's very... Intellectual, and he talks about being poor. Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm in a category, a demographic you don't hear a lot about. Poor Jews. Nice. Then, I would really relate to yeah, that. Check you out. You might Gary not know. Gilman. I grew up poor. Yeah, I, I thought of you when he said it. That's hilarious. So check this dude out. He was pretty damn funny. But let me tell you about my day, Tristan. So um, Hemel Patel is one of the owners, new owners of Galaxy, and his father, who's got a name this long, starts with R A N C H Ranch, and they called him Ron. Passed away. So Tris, uh, I'm sorry, Lucas and I go up today to Scobie Funeral Home in Winchester. And here's what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking, I'm going to show my respects, be polite. I don't even know this man. This is out of, you know, this is out of uh, an homage to Hemel. Oh, no. No, no. It's not a quick meet and greet. We sit there for an hour and 40 minutes of an Indian service. And a lot of it, Tristan, is, oh, they're doing this Indian 30 minutes of chanting. And I guess it's prayers. Yeah. And there's like five white people, and the entire, and there was a huge turnout for this man. I mean, three, four hundred people, because there were thing. The chapel probably sat, sat three hundred, and then there were uh, probably another hundred people behind us. But um, it was a really interesting day because I had never experienced that before. But what I found myself thinking about at one point was Hemel's wife Anne, who's the you know who's who's I guess an owner now as well. Um, so this would be the gentleman who passed sister, uh, a daughter-in-law, has two kids and only wants them to marry Indian women. Really? I, 100% like says that to you. Like just, I know I don't want to marry in anything other than another Indian. <laughs> now, I assume that's racist. I would have to assume that is, yeah. But I mean, like it's by celebrated definition. in the culture. Well, so we work really hard here to make black and white work in America, given our history and everything, and we've come a long fucking way. But now you bring another culture in, and they're like, no, nah, I want nothing to do with whites. I want nothing to do with blacks, nothing to do with Hispanics, only fucking Indians. That's amazing. Yeah, and like she's very out front about, outspoken about saying that. And you can probably get away with that more as somebody not as the primary culture in a country. Like, a white guy can't say that. Like, you could not no, say, right. I have a kid, and I don't want my yeah, kid dating no. any Asians. Well, people did say that, to be fair, sure. for years. And then they were branded and, as very, you know, And they very may racist. say it now, but you can't say it in polite company, right? You might say it behind closed doors, like you and I might say, God yeah. dang, I don't want so-and-so. I, actually, I wouldn't. I could sure. care less who my brother. Of course. Who my love brother, is love, man. Who my son brings home. Right. But, um, and, and I truly mean that. I really. I believe you, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty. pretty we're all pink on the inside. So, um. Easy now. So I'm thinking, as I'm sitting in the very back pew, because I said to Lucas, you know, maybe at some point we can slide out, so, which didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but because it just wasn't a place for it. But um, I'm thinking all of the, and I noticed that black and white um, was, that's what was worn. The men had white shirts and black pants, and the women, whatever they were in, was black and white, almost without exception. Um, but I was thinking, God dang, man. I said that what I said on our podcast about, you know, my people 
sort of enslaved or, you know, uh, you know, not quite enslaved, but ruled your people for over 100 years. And, you know, I don't want to listen to you. I'm like, they all turn and look. Oh, no. Thankfully, not that many listen oh. to this podcast. This is that probably not the place I should be. Right. It shouldn't be me and 400 folks of Indian background. Yeah, how would you have felt indentured, if like, indentured your people. midway through that service, they turn around and say, we've been listening to a very interesting podcast. <laughs> there he is. You son of a bitch. <laughs> be like Peter Griffin at the Million Man March. Oh, right. Oh, my God. Good reference. So that was a very interesting day, and it was literally, Trisden, 30 minutes of something in, I don't know, what is that language, Farsi, I don't know what the language, Hindu, uh, and and they're just (laughs) chanting, and it's like, wow. And I assume, you know, I grew up Catholic, so it would be like saying the rosary over and over. There was prayers, and, you know, a lot of the women, it seemed to be more women, uh, knew them, you know, they were there doing the whole fucking chant. It was was interesting. (laughs) Wow. Well, and, and I think you, you tap on something interesting, which is church is weird anyway. Like some of the church and rituals around death that humans still practice, they're weird. But then when you go to one that you've never experienced, like Absolutely. another culture, right. then it just blows your mind because right. it's like, well, the one that you're doing that's weird, at least you're used to that since right. you're two years old. Right. You've, you've come to one now you've never seen. And now those prayers and chants are, you know, extra, just yeah. an extra layer of creepy and weird yeah. when it's, I'm sure at the end of the day, equally weird to it's, what we do. Yes, exactly It's just right. so different that, and you all. haven't experienced it. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, that's exactly right. It's a different. Call. And then the other thing that sucks is, uh, our 14-year, I think he's 13-year-old cat, Callaway. So we've got three cats. Callaway's 13, Gray is seven, and then the little kitten. And Callaway's been real lethargic, and he hasn't, and he's been vomiting. So Patty brought him, and they said he's got an inoperable tumor. So we're dealing with saying goodbye to the Patty's bringing him home today. They're supposed to be with some steroids. Uh, she kind of thinks it's like the vet saying, spend a couple of nights, say your goodbyes, and he's probably going to, so Brielle's going to be torn up. And this Ugh. and this cat sleeps on Patty's pillow, like right here. Like she, she, he has become, he was Brielle's cat, then Brielle moved out, and he's he doesn't like me much. We're both males, <laughs> but he likes the women, and, and he's fine. He's a big Maine Coon, and he had lost like three pounds, oh, wow. which for a cat is like That's a, a human losing weight. 40. Yeah. He was thir- he was 16 pounds. He's down to 13. He's a big fucking cat. Jeez. Maine Coons are big cats. Very big. And he, and he was getting real skinny and he had this cough and it's like all right we got to bring him in and the vet actually told patty had she not brought him in he was so dehydrated he might have died at home but i think it's only a few days and you know patty told me today why don't you and ray dig a hole we've got two cats buried outside and uh never had much never had much in the way of dogs but we've had cats the whole time so now is this a situation where a few days if uh, the cat gets rough you're going back to put him down or you're just gonna wait it out i I think we're probably gonna have to make probably, that decision as a family. Probably humane. This yeah. weekend, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't yeah, envy it sucks. that. It sucks. You just love those little bastards so much, man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, lost. He's been part, he's, they're part of the family. Yeah. They're part of the family. Well, and the thing that I always go to, and I lost uh, my dog, Suge, 15 years old, uh, last July. And the was thing he about black? was he a black dog? He was a black was dog Shug. named Suge after Suge Knight. <laughs> That's cool. Now it was 15 years ago, so I think that type of casual racism wasn't as noticeable. <laughs> no, I, his name, uh, well, he was just mean like Suge and happened to also be black. That's funny. But uh, so yeah, so it, it's miserable when you know you've been with him that long. But the point I was going to make is. You know, you love your family members, but six days out of seven, everything's great. And then one day out of a week or a month or whatever, your family member is going to piss you off, right? Your dog or your cat, they're just never really going to do that. So they're just giving you for their little lifespan, unconditional love. And honestly, more your dog. Cats... Cats, cats are have, assholes. Cats yeah. have a well. Brielle, who my daughter, who knows so much about animals, will tell you that a dog can be a hundred percent domesticated. A cat always has a feral streak. It's never yeah. fully no. Truly, That's fair. It's yeah, never fully it. domesticated. Yeah, because you know at some point that fucker will turn and grab your hand and you're bleeding. Right. right. They're just cats. <laughs> it's they hilarious. Have a feral streak. And it is funny. There's he, some of the best memes on the internet are cats being crazy. Callaway cats have brought lots of things home. Ice most, foremost, and chipmunks, and maybe a snake. This cat, Callaway, brought home a bat one night. Oh, God. He had grabbed a fucking bat in flight <laughs> and so proudly brought him up the deck steps. And Brill's like, oh, my God, Dad, it's a bat. A freaking bat. And That's that a good one, huh? September 2019 in China. And it <laughs> yeah, created right, COVID. Right, right. Thanks, cats. Oh, yeah. oh man. So, so I hate to hear that yeah, from you and the family. You, thank you. And this is one of those weird things where, you know, you always, it's always weird being 
publicly as emotional as that actually makes you because as a guy you feel kind of like well i can't really be sad about a dog or a cat mm. but it really is like the saddest fucking thing yeah man they're just part miserable. of the family yeah no digging that hole will be tough oh yeah good luck now mm. i see you uh all done up in your Niners. You've got the sweatshirt on. You've got the Niners hat. Yeah. So obviously, I know who you're rooting for. Born in San Francisco. So and were during you the born in San Francisco, I was. Yeah, oh. University of San Francisco Hospital. <laughs> I you know, I used to tell everybody What's I was the only person born in San Francisco that went to notoriously gay Berea College who also is straight. I'm the only one that made it through. Without you know what they say? Some about type of bisexual experience. Uh, they I say in San Francisco, 33% of the men are gay. <laughs> so if you're sitting on a park bench with two other guys, you look to your left, he's not gay. You look to your right, he's not gay. You are. <laughs> nice. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong but with But you know it. why I'm rooting for the Niners. Because you could win some money, you fucking yeah. So when I skate. first went on uh, uh, FanDuel in September, they gave you, they give you, do you do it? You Have you done the sports book? I'm just about to start. I've okay. got my college buddies are trying to talk me in. I've got to get. So as on. an enticement, they give you free money to bet with, literally free. And I think it was like, I don't know, maybe a hundred bucks, but I put 50 of it back in September on the Niners to win the Super Bowl, which will pay 275. So I'm out no money. Right. That's nice. So I'm rooting on the Niners. Now I did do kind of a smart thing. You'll be proud of me as a half Irishman. I hedged it. I took 50 bucks and put it on the Chiefs, 50 bucks of my money. And if the yeah. Chiefs win, I think I get like 120. So I'm winning money You're either winning way. either way. It's a hedge. Man, that's pretty nice. Right. Can't beat a good hedge. That was at Raymond's suggestion. And yeah. I looked at it and I was like, yeah, hell, put 50 bucks on it. Now, I want the Niners because I want the 275. Sure. But if the Chiefs happen to win, I still not, get like 120 bucks. Still not a bad day. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So did you guys do uh, like big family day for Super Bowl or do you go to a party or what do you guys usually yeah, do? Uh, there's been a couple we've gone over to Galaxy. I don't think we're doing that this year. Um, it's a decent setup there, but it's more house party. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll probably go to my mother-in-law's and at least watch the first half. The game gets late. I mean, they kick it off. It does. What, probably 620? Yeah. And from Vegas this year. Nice. So what's That'll that? That'll be a little weird. Two-hour difference? So they're kicking off three. about 420 there? Maybe three. it's three. So it's a mid California's game. three, so yeah. But it had to be a party week. And we talked last week about tickets, Jesus. And the stadium will be full. $10,000 a ticket. Completely. Yeah, it'd be fun. I'd, Not I'd with you like, and me. Like to go, no doubt. I'd love to have went. Like a Niners Super Bowl, I'd like in my lifetime to go. You had a lot but, of opportunities as a Niners fan. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty lucky. Yeah, I used to tell everybody, I hated Colin Kaepernick, not for his political stances, but because he blew that fucking last Super Bowl. Right. And I hated him funny. for real reasons, sports reasons. So it's funny, this Gary Gelman, back to him, who I do want you to watch, I'll give the whole thing away if you listen too long to me, but Fair he enough. did something, he did the reverse of the Kaepernick. I have friends of mine, Matt Smith is one, didn't watch the NFL again after Kaepernick. You know what he said? What's he that? said, I'm a huge sports fan. He actually, in Googling him, he played football at, the, at Boston College. Nice. So he's a, and he does a funny bit about hockey. But uh, he stopped watching the NFL too after Kaepernick, but because the NFL blackballed him. Fuck really? the NFL. Right. Fuck the NFL. If they don't want to give him a job, screw him. I'm not watching him. I was like, wow, that's the first time I ever heard that's that. funny. Yeah. I've not heard <laughs> right? that stance either. Right. Interesting stance to take. Yeah. Right. And I always just sort of side on the, like, I'm not going to cancel and quit anything. Like, I'm kind of me. I'm going to live my life. Me. Like, if, you right. know, Bruce Springsteen came out tomorrow and was pro Trump, you'd kind of <laughs> wince, but you're still going to love Bruce Springsteen. Well, Chris Christie's seen like 100 Springsteen shows. So there you go. Giving Chris right. Christie credit. I'm right. not going to give up the greatest entertainers in the world because right. I don't fucking agree with their politics. Right. That's so stupid. Well, and the to reason me. I say that, I'm sure you know, this, uh, Bruce has been very vocal about his right. democratic politics. Yeah. Yes, most definitely. And I, and I get people who say shut up and sing, but I also understand that people like Taylor Swift and Bruce have huge audiences. And I don't know that Taylor's, we know what her politics are, but I don't know that she says anything from the stage. Bruce has said some things from the stage. And I'll yeah. tell you, when we went to see you two back in 2017 in Louisville, you always heard about Bono and he was political and people disliked. He was, you know what he said? He said, you people, I swear to God, there's 58,000 people in at that time, Papa John stadium. And he's like, you Americans, you should be so proud. This is the greatest country. And I'm like, this is what they're picking on this fucking guy for. <laughs> These are the politics that they hate. What wow. The hell? Interesting. No, I mean, I, if you're an artist, you make a conscious decision, realizing that you can alienate half your audience, right. but that's your decision. That's true. Yeah. But also like, if you can't wince through a two minute monologue about a guy's favorite candidate and 100%. then get back to the 20 best songs you've ever heard in your life live. Like I would go see a kid rock show. I think he's a complete tool, 
But look, he's got like six songs that, that you love. I really like. So I mean, Hank Jr. He's not my guy. Yeah, Hank, Hank Jr., Jr. Charlie Daniels Raymond when he was still see, alive. Raymond went to see Hank Jr. Oh, I saw Charlie a couple of times. Now, he wasn't really political back when I saw him, but he became quite right wing. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Kid Rock would be putting it to the test if somebody gave you. Nah, <laughs> Which <laughs> no, now, you know, when you're going to that show, boy, you're surrounded by a lot this, of people that disagree with this you. This is more a visual, Tristan, but I just thought of it. It's one of the things I did watch Shane Gillis because my nephew, Johnny, loves him. And then Ray said, all right, let's watch him. And he was damn funny. But he, he says something like, you know, I went to I went to I think it was Sweden or something. He's like, you know, you go to these countries where they're all white. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrible but funny you're like nah. okay. he walks up to that line like i don't oh, think fuck he, yeah he goes over as much as like a dave Chappelle. like he's i'm just gonna make fun of people with special needs or like really just hammer on trans folks for 20 minutes but he's definitely walking up to the line and making you think and giving you you know food for thought <laughs> well he does do a special needs thing shane gillis but he prefaces it by talking about his uncle Maybe it's Tommy or Eddie or... Well, he calls himself. Like, he says he well, looks special needs because he, well, he kind of looks like he has Down syndrome. Well, here's what he says. So Uncle Tommy is special needs. He goes, yeah, it runs in my family. Like, the arrow kind of nicked me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does a whole bit about Uncle right. Tommy and going out to dinner with him and yada, yada. And yeah. He always used to have a cheese sandwich in his pocket, and he'd take it out if he didn't like the meal that, that was being served or whatever. And Yeah. But I remember him saying, yeah, that, that arrow kind of nicked me. <laughs> oh, fuck. So and, and again, I think as Americans, we have to kind of get back to finding the line between are you really shitting on somebody with Down syndrome or are you making light of a situation? I don't know. And sure. is it fair to That's make it. fun of somebody with Down yeah. syndrome? And just as fair as I guess it would be for somebody to say, I'm not listening to your stand up anymore or, you know, I'm not putting any money towards that. So on kind of a cool note, well, let me just say my thought. No, sure. I, don't, I don't think it's cool. Like <laughs> there are lines like if you're. You know, if there's a group of kids that's picking on the special needs kid and you're the one who stands up and says, man, don't do that because it makes you an asshole, good for you. Sure. You know, now, might you laugh? Yeah, but that, you know, but if society's changed to a place where that's been eliminated, I'm kind of okay with that. Like, I'm not about canceling, but if canceling includes not making fun of the special needs kid, that's probably a good cancel. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, right? Again, is finding that line between right. somewhere between not saying the N word anymore and a microaggression about a cardboard box that hurts your feelings, exactly. right? Like yes. Yes. finding that spot exactly. in the middle where that's right. I can't, you know, and this is kind of the thing with my dad, my relationship with him. Like very often, I always say like something with no ill intent that's not mean that he gets offended by. One, I'll give you a quick example. He was mad because I had referred to him and his longtime girlfriend or common law wife as you guys. I was like, hey, what are you guys getting into this weekend? Next time we spoke, you know what? I don't really like that you misgendered us oh, wow. when you said you guys. Jesus. And that was just like, like to me, that's so far over the line of like, hey, there's no intent there. Nobody's and trying to. he lives to, in San Francisco, right? ironically. Like, I'm not calling your your girlfriend wife a guy. Sure. She should know that. You yeah, should know that. that's a little that. over that's, the top. Everybody refers to every couple. Hey, what are you guys doing? Right. You know, it's just right, right. sort of the. Wow. And But again, so it's finding that line that is commonsensical where we can all agree this is all bad. Yeah, and versus, and, you know, I'm just talking and living my life. And you and I, as left of center pragmatists, would roll our eyes, our eyes at that. Right. Well, not, not, no offense to your father, but you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Right. Of That's all the a little to too much. About. Well, plus, and not to make it about me and my dad, but also when you've got a lot of family eight, ten hours away. You don't have the luxury of getting mad at every little thing and sure. saying, well, I'm not going to talk to Tommy for six months. Right. Like, you have to. I'm just going to let that go. Right. Like if, if your sister says something that maybe is one step too far. Right. You've got to say, well, I love her. I'm going to sleep on it. I'll be fine tomorrow. There you go. Like you just can't every single time. Like you have the like you and me, we see each other every week. Like you could say, man, you really pissed me off the other day. Right. You know, we're around each other when you go home to your wife. That's why you argue with your wife more than anybody. Because you have access to that. You, nobody's going anywhere, right? You can say, look, can we fix this? I right. didn't like that. But you don't have the luxury of doing that when you live across the country. Right. So the fact that you're going to take issue with everything just seems irrational. Yeah, no, that's a great example of like something that's wow. That, yeah. You know, especially when you don't talk that often. It's like, oh, you that's offended it. me for saying you guys. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. People are crazy. I'm going to let you get to your list because you always make lists. <laughs> I don't. And then we just talk. And what's on your list? It's really brother? just a backup list. But uh, no, I, I wanted to say kind of some cool news. And you're going to be excited to hear this. Uh, 
plant uh, Bree Pond. Oh, I almost said the other pawn shop that I no sell ads to. Shit, I am so sorry. <laughs> they they spend so much money with me, the other guys. But I love Aaron is my favorite person. So so if you're listening, Aaron, the other guys do spend a lot of money, but you're my guy. Wave, you know. Nope, oh, and there's Aaron calling now. He just heard that. But uh, Aaron's back on. He's back on sponsoring. Uh, oh, Berea, Berea Pond is re- reopened for business, and now I will periodically go in and beg him to give me a couple hundred bucks for sponsoring the that show. Is, so. Which I'll never see a dime of, just so you no, know. No, you will not. But I do. I want somehow you. Somehow I took the first money, and I have no I, I, recollection of that. It's a true story, though. Like, check your bank account. There's a $200 Dan check. That I didn't receive a penny for, which was fine at the time. I just thought you were setting the precedent of you sell what you sell, I sell what I sell. So, but it's you know it's all good. But no, on the on that note, we've put together a nice commercial for Aaron at uh, Berea Pond, and uh, want to of course thank all our sponsors real quick, and then we'll do a quick commercial break. Sure. Thanks, Tony. We do epoxy, Dad's Flooring, and here at the Dad's Flooring Studios, Troy at Front Porch Studios, Nate with Stove Leg Media, and uh, so welcome back, Aaron. It's a pleasure. We're gonna bring you back in here and let Ray. Immediately Immediately start freaking out on you about guns as soon as you're free next. And uh, I promise I will not. <laughs> and on that note, we'll take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with more top quality content just like this. Hi, this is Tony with We Do Epoxy, and I'm looking for ugly floors. I mean, so ugly, dirt won't stick to it. We can take your ugly garage, basement, porch, or patio and turn it into a work of art in just a couple of days. Is your garage floor so ugly you keep the door closed to prevent anyone from seeing it? We Do Epoxy can fix that. Stop living with ugly concrete. Call me today at 859-582-7920. That's Tony at 859-582-7920. And we're back. God, I love having sponsors. What's better than sponsors? Yeah, no, it's great. So thanks, Aaron. So I had a physical the other day. And the doctor said, don't eat anything fatty. And I said, oh, like bacon and burgers? And he said, no, fatty, don't eat anything. <laughs> Let me tell you why that's extra funny to me. Okay. Because I screenshotted that joke to tell oh, on the shit. show so today. It's making the fucking inroads. <laughs> so, who, well, you try it. It'll be like MASH when they compared who told the joke better. Go ahead, you tell it. <laughs> all right i have more panache all right yeah you know it's it's better when you tell it you're just eating up my content <laughs> that's not a problem for us no no um, that is wild that so, was one of the jokes you yeah i've got tell. three jokes and there there it is Mom, on to, screenshot to, to so. give credit my brother sent me that that's funny that is too funny yes yeah, so i've got two more now so i will I, well, let's I, hear I, you tell it come on we'll let's do it at the tell. end of the show we'll save it oh, for okay. the comedy right, cool. and then we'll do cool. it then well one thing i did want to talk about uh real quick <laughs> Before, because it could be a bigger topic before it uh, it slides to the end of the show. But what did you think about the mom being found guilty of her son's mass shooting? It's precedent setting, man. Talk about talk about another arrow in the quiver. Is that how you say that for prosecutors? Yeah, fucking a. Yeah, and who's the genius prosecutor who came up with that strategy? It's a new strategy, right? To my knowledge, to to my knowledge as well. First time a parent has ever been charged with their. Now, does that make parent? You know, well. All right, so there's no nice way to say this. It would be very, very rare for a quote-unquote good parent's kid to do something like that. It does feel that way. Okay. Maybe that's unfair, but it certainly feels that way. No. So, you know, good parents are probably already good parents, but like they didn't they like bring him on his birthday to get his first gun, and this was after he'd already had some issues? Yeah. And, eh, you know, it's pretty rough. Not great. Well, and I think about it in terms of this. I think there's two. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's the Michigan school. Yeah. And they found the mother of the shooter guilty and the father's still looking at going. Yeah. Which somebody said that he may just wave and say, fuck it, I'm guilty and give me my penalty. Yeah. He better plea deal at this point because if they're offering, yeah, he might as well. Yeah. So um, my initial reaction was, man, that's a little bit unfair because they didn't do it. What, but at the same little, time, what's a little unfair? Finding the mother guilty. Finding the mother oh, it's a guilty of, because they didn't do the crime. Okay. But then within two minutes, I thought this is the best possible case scenario for society on on a lot of levels. One, because now maybe these parents will think right, like it's going to occur to you when you go by your kid yes. who's been in counseling for six years and he's manic depressive. You're probably not going to go buy him an AK, even if you plan on putting it behind a lock and key. So maybe the parents will think. B, maybe the kids will think, hey, 
I want to go kill everybody at my school, but I don't want mom and dad to go to jail. Oh, there you go. So maybe there's a little bit of that. You know, maybe if, one if out of a hundred. Somebody who's willing to go and shoot people at a school thinks rationally, but that's a fair point. Right. So, but again, one out of a hundred, you know, that's right. one out of a hundred school shootings maybe that they think right. I'll have to do this another way because I don't want my parents in jail for the next 80 years if they have, you know, even an ounce of logical thought at that point. So, yeah, I think on a couple levels that that, that is going to be a pretty good verdict. Or it could go the other way. You hate your parents, so you go and shoot the shoot, shoot up the school, so your parents go to jail. But if you just hate your parents that bad and you're a murderer, you'll probably just kill take, them. Take, oh, I was going to say take the Menendez brother route. Yeah, that's but it. Uh, no, it was really um, a kind of a certainly a, they talk in terms of law of precedent setting decision. Certainly a precedent setting decision because you're not going to see the last of it. No, and I think that you're going to see that now moving forward. I, I would expect right. So that's right. going to be something that. But again, too, it it felt like, and I didn't watch the whole trial to be fair no neither did i I read i read synopsis yesterday but it very much felt like it went beyond being a mediocre parent it was being a mediocre parent while enabling enabling and bringing the guns in the house and you know and the mom said well he was really only supposed to shoot the guns with his dad at the range oh was he was he jennifer you know well he didn't you know he walked into school and killed a bunch of a bunch of kids so no i mean probably the more things we can do to hold people accountable for these school shootings it can't hurt you know, we've, and no, we've, we've exactly got to keep right. doing something. And again, I would. It's unfair that the judicial system has to be what steps in to, to try and fix this. But at least it's something. And I would hope, again, throwing it into their realm, that our friends Aaron and Tony would agree with that. We reference Aaron and Tony because we all know who Aaron is. He's been on the show probably more than anybody else. He's conservative, but he's one of the great people. And the same with Tony. And we bring him on to get the conservative perspective. But I would hope that they would feel the way you feel, that, you know, this is a good thing. And I haven't even watched. Now, has Fox News, did, I, did Fox say, or to their credit, did they not? Oh, this is terrible. You're I don't right know. To I don't that was, I, and I, I was didn't ha- watch Fox. I was happy to give my opinion before I knew which side was the politically correct side for the Democrats to take versus. You, well, that's cool. So I don't know. But you but could but certainly like hear somebody saying, oh, this is an overreach and yada, yada, yada. I don't think it is. You know, if you're a terrible mm-hmm. parent, you know, there's a license to drive. There's not a license for, yeah, ironically, having a gun <laughs> or, or being a parent. Yeah, and, and you know maybe they're you know I don't know how you do that, but some people shouldn't be parents. Well, they shouldn't. And I mean, I was a good parent, and my kids are both fucked up. So you know, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> your kids are awesome. But but no, I, we don't do enough to hold parents accountable for stuff. And look, if it, it is a big responsibility to be a parent, I'm not one, but I do understand the gravitas right, of that type child. of. You were. I was. You I'm a human par- being. I see kids, yeah, and, and you had parents. You right. know, You know the dynamic. So look, you're a parent. It's a big responsibility, and you maybe if your kid has and deals with depression or mental illness, maybe you don't bring him. You know, AKs. Exactly right. Right. Probably not even maybe. So right, you know. and and hopefully you're doing everything you can. And to, to get them the help they need, so maybe they're not gonna go shoot up a school. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I liked it. I, I I hate. I always hate the fact that somebody has to go to prison, especially when it's not as cut and dry as you know the mom walked in and shot the school up. But if this does something to quell the crazy school shootings in our country. You know, I'm fine with. Jennifer but I think going it's interesting that your first reaction was, "Wow, this might be an overreach." Like they didn't do the killing, so they should. Yeah, be responsible. I just thought, man, that yeah, that was my initial immediate reaction. The very first thing I thought was, "Yeah, that seems unfair." The parent didn't do it, but then you know, again, they bought him the guns. They knew he was dealing with mental illness. There has to be some extreme common sense going on in your parenting brain, like. And the jury came back fairly quickly. I didn't even realize. Yeah, they came back pretty quick, so they were on board with what the prosecutor was, you know, was attempting. Yeah, but again, I think this could be really good for our culture, and you know, for something that look. And I know for a fact, nobody that we know, right wing or left, likes turning on a TV and seeing dead kids. Of course not. Nobody like everybody is horrified, and everybody has their own idea and what the best way to handle that is. But yeah, if this goes towards stemming that tide, then you know, by yeah, all means, I think that's the point, right? Whatever we can do to to stem what seems to be a pretty tragic tide that we're alone with. When I say alone with, you just don't read about it in other countries. So yeah, yeah. whatever can be done. So you want to hear? A, I don't know if you want to hear, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna monologue you a, a story. Okay. So I uh, this involves our buddy Danny Miller. So you would turn me on to Danny, right. the local insurance right. slash uh, financial guy. He's yes, going to take my money and do something with it for me. And he's going to start doing some advertising with me. So nice win, guy. Win. Like, yeah, yeah. Win, I like Danny for the couple oh, of times Danny's now that I've, I've yeah. met with. And he thinks the world of you also. Yeah. 
So I have a story from my childhood and I ran into Danny sort of. And also I was at Berea Pond hanging out with Aaron this weekend. Stop by. Usually Saturdays, I'll just swing by and say what's up like an old man, kind of hang out, sure, shop for 20 minutes, cool. yeah. chat politics, whatever. And uh, Danny Miller walked in and I was wearing something similar to what I'm wearing now, San Francisco 49er stuff. So Danny was like, oh, you're a Niner fan. He's like, basically, like, are you a fly-by-nighter? Have you always been? Oh, I was born in San Francisco. He's a huge Raider fan. He yeah. is. So yeah. that's what he said. He's huge like, you know, I'm a fan. diehard Raider fan, like always been a Raider fan. I was like, oh, well, I've got a cool Raider story for uh, you. If I can interject. So I've you? played fantasy football with Danny for 30 years. That's how I got to know him. So I know yeah. what he likes football-wise, yeah. Yeah, and you guys dated for a while. Yeah, we did. So yeah. that also. Tell our wives. <laughs> they don't listen. We're safe. Um so I was like, he was, so he started talking about how much he likes the Raiders. And I was like, man, I've got a pretty cool Raiders story for you while you're here. And just real quickly. Now, if you figure out the punchline, which is not a punchline, but if you figure out what's going on, don't jinx it. Don't, okay. don't ruin it for the audience because you may figure it out before I get to the, to the end. So Ray, shut the fuck up. Is <laughs> just, just don't, don't, don't call it. Like if you're halfway through and you realize what's going on, don't blow it for Fair me. Fair enough. So here. I'm mute. <laughs> so going back to it's a big dad's day for me. So I one year when I went back to visit my dad in California, my dad's wife at the time was friends with an ex Oakland Raider and he had a son that was exactly my age. So he had worked out for me and him and his son to go to an Oakland Raider preseason game while we were, cause they were in Oakland and you know, at that time and I was, you know, we were in Marin, so it was close by. So we went and he gave me a hoodie that was a remember the twos, Oakland Raiders hoodie remember for the twos, John Matuzak. Oh, yes, so, yes, yes, yes. Oh, look at that. Tony wants to come on and be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Almost have to speakerphone him in. So yeah, we should have. So I told Danny, I said, man, it was cool, Danny. I, you know, met this guy, John Matuzak in uh, the early nineties and I hung out with him and his son for a day and uh, he goes, oh, you mean sloth from the Goonies? And I said, John Matuzak was sloth from the Goonies. I'm like, man, that's freaking amazing because I'm, you know, kind of a celebrity whore anyway. And like uh, stories like that, I just think are really cool. So I was telling him, you know, I hung out with this John Matuzak and his son and they gave me remember the twos hoodie that I still have to this day. And, you know, Danny was polite and didn't didn't shit on my story or anything. And uh, I left and I was telling my best friend, Brendan, the same story. And I was like, yeah, it was really cool. And I like, I have no idea how to get in touch with this guy. Like, I'd like to chat with the son and see if he's still around and to see if he remembers the game and stuff, you know. And so I get off the phone, with my best friend, and I jump online and I see that John Matuzak had actually died in 1989. So I completely lied. The story was bullshit. But they did give me the Remember the Twos hoodie, but the guy was a different Oakland Raider. So at some point in my mind, I had coordinated the hoodie with that was the guy that took me to the, the ex-Raider that had took me to the game. So Danny, I'm sure, is not listening, but he was nice enough to not say, you dummy, John Matuzak died in 1989. So the, the hoodie was actually a memorial remembrance of Remember the Twos, but it wasn't the guy that I was actually at the game. So I'm going to have to tell Danny that I was wrong. But I did hang out with the actual Oakland Raider and his son for a day at a preseason game and tailgate and stuff. So it was kind of a cool story, but not as I'd hoped. I didn't get to hang out all That's day funny. with Sloth from Goonies, sloth. which would have been really, really cool. And so I was able, this is funny, I had not spoke to my dad's ex-wife in 25 or 30 years. Spoken. No, I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm not very smart. Uh <laughs> You're just showing off for your brother, trying to get Tommy's approval. Tommy, love me, Tommy. No, I do that shit a lot. I'm in Kentucky. <laughs> so I found my dad. And usually people say, you're an asshole. Yes. <laughs> it's a fair, fair response to that. Found his ex-wife, who I had not spoken with in 25 or 30 years. So I reached out to my dad's ex-wife, who happened to be on Facebook, reconnected and i wanted the name because once i found out john matuzak died i wanted to know who the hell i spent a day with gotcha. like who was the guy so she was nice enough she responded almost immediately we had a little chat and she sent me the guy's information and i ended up i found the kid i say kid the guy that his son wow. that i went to the game with 
I sent him a message on Facebook. I was like, you're not going to remember this, but what I remember about you was your dad was a player. You and I spent a couple days hanging out and like going to the mall, being 15 year olds, and that you fucking loved Anna Nicole Smith at that time. Ah! Like, and I told him, I said, till this day, whenever she pops up, like Anna you Nicole Smith, I think, I think of this of guy. Him, yeah, yeah, I think of you know ah. that kid loved Anna Nicole That's Smith. That's funny. So, and he ended up calling me last night, and no I, like kidding. I didn't expect that, but we talked on the phone for like an hour and a half. Wow, it was amazing. So, so who was the player? Cliff. Yates. Cliff Yates. Now I will say this okay. as a preface or like a postus to, to that story. How, how do you how would you say that? A post not a preface, a, but a, a post yeah, post a, a PS. A PS. Yeah. So I could not find his dad on any a of the yeah, postscript. There you go. I couldn't find his dad on anything as a player. So I wonder if maybe he was a practice squad Could player. Could that was been. because I didn't see him on. That makes sense. I checked Immaculate Grid football to see if he popped up. So maybe he was a practice squad player. Nonetheless, had a great time. They gave me a nice hoodie and all that. But I told a brutal lie to an Oakland That's Raider so fan. Funny. And I wonder if he was. Yeah. yeah. He died of cancer or something, didn't he? Uh, he died, uh, was, it was it overdose? Maybe. Yeah, something I did, I did Wikipedia and it was something. Oh, was yeah, but he was super young. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah, I think it was. He was a wild man. Yeah, he was like he was in a lot of it, college perfect, fights. And, yes, perfect Oakland Raider. Yeah, perfect, he perfect Oakland. Raider. He was the mascot. Yes, he was the mascot. So yeah, so I did not get to hang out all day with John Matuzak, but that I do have a John Matuzak hoodie. That's, that's great. Thirty plus years old, and I spoke to my dad's ex-wife, so that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, so what do you think about uh, Nikki Haley on SNL? I thought it was great. Pretty good, right? They, it was a, Absolutely. They took a pretty good shot at Trump. It wasn't over the top, but it was funny. And then somebody got upset, and I thought, oh, Jesus, lighten up. Uh, you know, you can't make light of racism. Of course you can't make light of racism. She's making light of herself. Right. I should have said, you know, should you have said, you know, R ends in ism, whatever, racism, yeah. whatever she said? Uh, yes. Or, I'm sorry. It begins in S and ends in lavery. Yeah. Right. And, and she good said, for yes, her. yes, that's exactly what I should have said. Oh, no, you can't make light of racism. Jesus. <laughs> that's a microaggression to reference that race exists right yeah exactly that drives you crazy all right can i read you this i would love for you to read me that all right so often my sister and look i again so i apologize i, I say things about my sisters and i guess i don't have their permission but they're both wonderful people but maureen who is the you know maga member will often talk about how shitty the economy is you know, I can't get a break under Biden, under Biden, shitty, shitty, shitty. Okay. Right. So Tommy sends me this, and it's uh, so this guy sends a tweet, right? And he says, here's a tweet that takes Rini's position. We're a family of six, man, woman, two teen boys, one teen girl, one preteen girl. Some examples of how much it costs us to eat out. Subway, Chipotle, 70 bucks, McDonald's, 60, Outback, 200 plus. Uh, bi-monthly Sam's Club, 700 Monthly groceries, 700 If we go to a movie, it's 120 bucks. He, he says, don't get me wrong. We could make cuts, and we chose to have a large family. My brother says, so that led me to think about this. How many of those quote-unquote complaints would have been on our parents' list? Is this modern poor me-ism, largely about entitlement? I can't, eat five I can't eat out five nights a week? Were our parents complaining that the country was broken because we only could afford to eat at Hojo's every few months? <laughs> I still kind of marvel when we order a few dinners from Pizza Man. It's 60 bucks. I'm not, bad at, I'm not mad at Pizza Man. I'm actually more like, wow, I live pretty large. I have a work friend who makes 100K. Her husband makes 120 20k they have two kids she complains all the time about her financial depression that's not the economy's fault that's the fault of her expectations every kid every girl in my school carries around a 40 dollars water bottle for christ's sakes and shows up with a starbucks latte i guess my point is that Rini will get a lot of support for the economy is bad argument if folks making 220k and buying their kids $40 water bottles all get to uh, all get together and commiserate. So you think there's some some truth in that that we live really large 100%. and then bitch about how tough the fucking economy is because we choose to surround ourselves with too much shit. Oh, it's, man, that's so well put and so articulate and just dead on because yes, I think people want to have a 800 $1500 a month like fun budget for you know you're going out to eat two or three nights a week and yes you're buying every cool new thing that pops up for you and your kids if you know people with young kids now you know they've all got freaking ipads and 40 dollar water bottles and whatever else and then yeah of course it sucks to have to go out to eat at a steakhouse and pay 130 bucks but look 
it's easy to cut out some of the fat. There really is. It, it's much easier. And yeah, I think to that point, our parents and your parents and our grandparents, they didn't have those types of the At amount all. of things that we have nowadays. It's just insane. Right. At all. And and how often, Ray, do you tell yourself, I better not. I better not get that thing. Like most people, I mean, I'm bad to not. Well, you, you and I are a little different on that. I don't. The only thing I spend money on, I used to spend money, a lot of money on bourbon. Then I had a few health issues and I really cut back drinking and pretty much golf. That's about all I spend money on. Good for you. You know, I, you should tutor I, I me. I don't spend a lot on myself. Yeah. You should counsel me after. We should have a Dave Ramsey get together. Well, I can work with it. No, it I, you're a hopeless cause. And as maybe. he as he jumps in his fucking Bentley and drives off. <laughs> sure, and that's not a that's not an exaggeration. That's not made up. It's right outside. No, that's that's not true. That's a Chevy bum, Cavalier. Bum, 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 bum. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, anymore. thank you. But and in fairness, I mean that's a lot of trade profit. I don't oh, really I feel bad about that stuff. I mean, to me, it's the extra. You know, I'm going to go to Walmart and spend a hundred dollars every time I walk in and leave with not that much stuff. You know, just yeah, forty dollar box baseball cards just out of boredom. Well, you know that that stuff is. I saw an interview with Jerome Powell, which was fucking fantastic. So he is the Fed chairman. He was, and and this is cool. He was appointed by Obama. Stayed under Trump and now serves under Biden, right? I think it's an eight-year term. Nice. And uh, he was on 60 Minutes. Yes, I am old enough that I watch 60 Minutes. But um, I was thinking while I was watching him, Tristan, that for everybody, which is virtually everybody in MAGA world, that has lost faith in every institution in America. Right. I think that's where so much of their anger and disillusion and let's call it what it is, seemingly hatred, comes from. They've just lost all faith with America. I, I said it to Tony and... And Aaron, when they were here, like, how did you guys lose so much faith in this fucking great country of ours? Like, that is a real conundrum for me because I, I still think it's a great country. Of course. So how'd you lose all faith in it? You watch this guy, Powell, who's not partisan. He's been there under three different presidents. And he just talks in plain, well, not really plain speak. He's an economist. He doesn't grant many interviews. It's kind of a big coup for 60 Minutes. But he was basically saying that, you know, so much of this quote unquote inflation is a byproduct of COVID, it was a worldwide, I mean, people want to say Joe Biden's terrible, fucking worldwide inflation. Right. In fact, America's inflation was less than a lot of other places in the world. Right. MAGA seems to forget that. And that once prices go up, they don't come down. You know why? Because that's a sign of a good economy. If prices come down, that's a bad, the only time prices come down is when the economy is shit. Right. Economy's booming. That's what prices aren't going to come is, down. Right? That's what supply and demand is. Right. E e econ 101. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think people that are mad and want, uh, you know, the inflation to be over, yes, you are you may see some gas prices because there's a big fluctuation there. Gas prices will continue. It's a to, commodity. To, yes, yeah. so it will go up and down. But, yeah, you're never going to go back to a fast food restaurant and, and have a $3 meal, right? right? It's right. just those days unless are gone Unless the economy now. takes a terrible turn. Yes, unless, we, go, unless we have a recession and, yeah, it's, it's 08. So, yes, under in a good economy, that's a phenomenal point and, and worth yeah. noting. yeah. Yeah, and it was funny. I saw a great clip of there was an. I think he's kind of an economist on Fox News. Larry Kudlow. I think it was Kudlow, yeah. and he was talking about the Biden. Grudgingly, he's like, "Ah, oh, the economy's doing pretty good." Well, yeah. I fucking did hate you this. did you see that? <laughs> like he, he he said it was on Fox. Of course, I saw it. <laughs> he said, "Oh God, I want I want to uh, do it justice." But it was something to the fact that look, we want to get on here and be mad at Joe Biden. We want to nitpick the numbers to find something that accommodates our argument that Joe Biden's so bad. Right. Sometimes the numbers are just what they are, and the jobs report was pretty. That's good. what he said. Yeah. Sometimes the like, numbers are just what they are. Like, and it just gives you a heart attack to say, oh, thank God. Like, right? Well, is, it doesn't factor in the people that lost their jobs in 2016 <laughs> and did a job. Look, sometimes the numbers are just the fucking numbers. It's the same one Trump had. Does, you know, let's just give credit and when it's why new. aren't we glad that the fucking economy is good? It's like, wow, can't we just admit? So now we'll go to the border, which was another thing. So the fucking Republicans. And again, this show isn't just to pick on Republicans. I've learned a lot from Republicans. I always reference my two uncles it's not what we're doing here but standing in opposition to that bill as we started talking about at the beginning of the show is just terrible politics like you know 
you got everything you wanted and you can't vote for it because you don't want to give Biden a fucking victory. It's Come bad on. politics and it's bad for the country. And and at the end of the day, aren't it's you bad for the country? Aren't you trying to do what's best for your your country? If well, not, why are you, you would in hope politics? So. I mean, I always say there's noble people in politics. I don't take the position that all politics or all politicians are terrible. I just don't. I think nine out of ten are great. There's ten percent that are shit heels, just like there are in life. Sure. Both sides. Ninety percent are working hard to get things done. But man, when you do something like this, it makes the people who want to pick on you, the Bill Mars of the world, it gives them pretty good ammunition to do so. Yeah, I agree. You know, when you want to say this is a do-nothing Congress that is only there to make sure that we get Trump back in office, they, you do something like this, you're like, eh. And, and I think you referenced earlier, you know, the Democrats have to make hay out of that and get the word out about what's happened. But I think... What well, no, you, I said if they can't make hay out of it, right. they don't deserve re-election. Yeah, so paraphrasing, but at the same time, like... You may get your base riled up and happy, like, yeah, fuck Brandon or whatever, and we're not going to give him any victories. But at the end of the day, aren't the moderates and the people in the middle, don't we all want the country to just run? And so that yes. has to hurt these yes. folks. They may win every primary for the rest of their lives, but yeah, you know right. they the, don't deserve to win You know the middle, and, the, I, and they the, won't. In the general election, you should pay a price for that decision and, it, and it's it, a poor one. And credit, to, again, to Mitch McConnell. I think again, you. I think so. I really appreciated, and and to my discredit, I was an asshole. I really appreciate normal Republicans a lot more, right? right? Like yes. I really appreciate yes. the old school normal Absolutely. conservatives that 100%. will say, you know, the Liz Liz Cheney's. I disagree with her politics, but I feel like she cares about the country more than she cares about herself. A hundred percent. Yeah, I would agree with that fully. So anyway, we've done it again, man. I don't know how, but <laughs> so was quick. It does go quick. We should expand this to two. We should just do it. Yeah, it's like a like a two hour show and break it up. Hey, I did. I spoke to Todd this week, and he said he wished we did two shows a week. So ah. I don't know where I'd find time, but you know, a couple more go. sponsors. You know, maybe we'll we'll jump on the two shows. Two a shows week. a week. We certainly are. <coughs> we are certainly full of shit enough to be able to do two shows a week. My God, you're not kidding. All right, so you've got jokes. You got to hit your jokes, man. And I do. I've, I've got. <laughs> now, what I did, Ray, I took a screenshot of this joke. And I want to try to tell it without looking at it. And I'm going to fuck it up. Brought and you I, by Dad's form. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And so I want to try to get through this joke, but I'm going to fuck it up. And I'm so mad because it's such a good joke. But here we go. This is the Dad's Flooring joke of the day. Uh, well, one of the Dad's Flooring jokes of the day. And it's a long one. So so buckle in. Okay. So Don't interrupt. Why don't you tell me that? I mean, if you do, you can interrupt, but it's only going to make it worse for me. <laughs> And I'm going to struggle. I'm going to stutter through this whole thing anyway. So, and it's not going to end the way you think. So a couple altar boys, a priest and a cardinal are fishing. Kids go off to one side and, and they catch a fish. And one, one altar boy looks at the other one and says, look at this son bitch, the fish that he just caught. And the altar boy says, but you can't talk like that. You know, we're altar boys. We, we've got a level of conduct. And the kid says, no, this fish, the type of fish is a bitch. That's what it's called. He goes, oh, I didn't realize that. Well, let's go show the pastor. And they run up to the pastor. Man, can you believe this bitch? And the pastor goes, what are you doing? You guys can't talk like that. You know, where you're altar boys and you've got a level that you have to attain. And uh, and they're like, no, uh, pastor, it's actually a bitch. That's what this fish is called. He goes, really? I didn't know that. He said, well, let's go catch some more of those bitches, and then we'll go show the cardinal. So they go back down to where they were. They, they catch a few more. They run back up. They got a big bunch of them now. And they look at the cardinal. Look at these son bitches. And the cardinal's like, what are you guys doing? You're a priest and you're altar boys. You guys can't talk like that. They're like, no, uh, cardinal, These this type of fish is actually called a son bitch. And they were like, oh, well, let's get those son bitches back and let the nuns cook them up for us. So they, they get back to the, what's it called? The Catholic Church spot yeah, where they the all rectory, live? Yeah. The, the, yeah, the rectory. You know. So they get back to the rectory and they tell the nuns, look at all these some bitches. Can you cook these some bitches up for us? And the nuns are like, you boys should be ashamed of yourself talking like that. And they're like, no, not th that's what these fish are actually called. They're some bitches. And they're like, oh, well, in that case, let's cook these some bitches up. The Pope happens to be in town and they're thinking that, you know, they're going to cook up all these fish for the Pope and it's going to be a great night. So... The nuns cook them up, they fry them up, they're golden and delicious, and the Pope's in there, and they're like, man, can you believe these some bitches? Aren't these delicious? These are the best some bitches we ever had. The nuns love the some bitches. The cardinal loves the some bitches. And the, the, the Pope turns around and says, you know what? You motherfuckers are all right. 
long way to get there, but worth, <laughs> worth the payoff. Yeah, I don't know if I did it justice, but <laughs> I enjoyed the job. That's funny. So. Yeah. Well, my dad used to tell a story when he first moved up from Totowa, from uh, the rough part of New Jersey and Patterson, up to the country of Pumpton Plains, and he met Father Kowalski. And I mean, I mean Dad was, he was a young man, whatever he was, 50-ish, maybe late 40s. And um, he, uh, oh, no, yeah, well, he would have been in his 40s, right. So, so Father Kowalski and he are playing uh, pickup basketball. And Father Kowalski misses a shot, and he goes, ah, shit. And Dad's like, Father. I mean, he was a pretty strict Catholic, the old man. He's like, Father. He goes, hey, I'm not wearing the collar. (laughs) That's pretty great. (laughs) What do you got for us? That's it, man. I told my joke. Fair enough. Yeah, mine took 11 minutes anyway. I stole yours. (laughs) That's right. I do have one more. So I I I took three screenshots. I don't know. And it's not as long. I don't know if I'll uh, I'll ever top that. Oh, no, I can't tell it. I better not. Oh, like the one that I couldn't tell last week that this I one, told you off air. And you remember? Yeah, that was the best joke, though. That God, that was so good. Here, I'll tell this. This one, this one's not as bad as yours, and I'll try to do it in such an accent that it doesn't hurt as bad as it could. Just real quick, a woman walking home with her three children, um, Rose, Lily, and Cinderblock. Rose asks her mother, Mom, why did you name me Rose? To which the mother replies, well, sweetie, when we were coming back from the hospital with your rose petal fell on your head and uh, we called you Rose. So Lily now curious, well, mom, why did you call me Lily? And mom says, well, sweetie, when you were coming home from the hospital, it was crazy. We're walking out of the hospital and a lily petal fell on your head. To which Cinderplock replies, I like it. Yeah. That's like the uh, Native Americans, the Indians. Uh, the, the the young boy is asking why, how you came up with these names, mother. And his his sister is uh, is babbling Brooke. And she said, well, when your father and I were, you know, having sex and we were making your sister, we were near a babbling Brooke. And, uh, you know, beautiful tree. Well, be- how did you come up with beautiful tree? Well, when we were having sex. And she says, does that answer your question, Broken Rubber? <laughs> <laughs> much that was good See, that's stolen from dad that was one of dad's jokes who would yeah. have told it much better than i did but that would that lead really somebody good, else to listen to think of another joke and these guys would do this for fucking hours that's hilarious to your point yeah. it just really doesn't happen a good cell phones, a good people had a right, conversation a good joke telling session doesn't happen much anymore never. a lost art i've never yeah. thought about it but that's kind of sad yeah just people the lost art of joke telling saying watch this two minute video that's what happens yeah right all right oh that's the wrong video yeah <laughs> all right all brother right. thank you we we'll thank it. the sponsors real quick again. Yes. Tony, we do epoxy. Aaron, welcome back, my friend. Can't welcome, wait to get you back on the show. Hey, yes, sir. Dad's flooring. Troy with Front Porch Studios. Troy, who's going to come on the show hopefully soon when he responds to my text and tells me when he's ready. Uh, Nate with Stove Leg Media. Guys, we appreciate you all so much, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>